Okay, let's, uh, let's get started, everybody. I'm going to get going. So uh, the, the first uh, announcement before the announcement, as you can clearly see, I am not Scott Berglund. You know that because I have more hair, so I got that going for me. Uh, I wanted to do, quick, do a couple of housekeeping items. I wanted to say hello to Judy Clark. She's in the hospital today, so we're going to definitely be praying for her. And then say hello to our friends that are in Mexico building houses. Scott, uh, I know you're sweating bullets. Um, I'll do okay. God's got this. Trust me. So uh, I think the other announcement is we have the, uh, the Lord's Supper, which is coming up on the 14th. So it's a week from Thursday. So and I, I believe we're doing that outside here. Okay, thank you. We're doing that outside here. So um, about me, so you, if you all don't know me, my name is Bryce Mackin. I am the lead elder here at Rock Bible Church, and I'm pinch hitting for Scott while he's in Mexico building houses, as we know. Um, I believe it or not, I am the, not the first Mackin to be on this stage. Uh, my three girls, my wife included, have all beat me to the stage. Uh, most, most of you have probably seen both of my daughters singing. And then my wife did announcements at second service uh, last week, so now she beats me to the pulpit stage area. So, um, so that's, that's me. And I, I'm really excited to, to share this message with you today. So Scott and I were talking about what, what can I cover? So I'm not covering a minor, minor prophet. That was, I put a pen in that one. I'm not doing a minor prophet. I can't do a minor prophet. I'm not good enough. So I wanted to talk about acceptance. And what's a great story of acceptance is the story of the woman at the well. Uh, and so as I get into this, you're going to see me, uh, trust me, you're going to see me geek out a little bit on this. So I learn a lot about what I thought was the story about the woman in the well. And then as I dig into it, there's a, it has so many layers and so, so many layers applicable to me, and I'm, I hope applicable to you as well, about our walk with Christ and Christ's acceptance of us as we go through these things. So let's, let's get into it. I, I promise I'm not, I'm not going to go long. I know Scott goes long. I don't have the capability of going long. And so we're just, we'll, we'll, get, we'll just dive into this thing right away. So let's start off with uh, John, uh, John 4. And we're going to go start off with uh, 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 verse 4 now. Sorry, I'm not throwing my glasses. Uh, but yeah. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples... John, uh, more, 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 more disciples than John, although Jesus himself didn't do the baptizing, but his disciples did. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Sumeria. So he came to a town in Sumeria called Sachar, and I, I probably slaughtered that, I apologize, near the field uh, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, so Jesus wearied and was wearied from his journey and was sitting beside the well, and it was the sixth hour. A lot of information about oh, this entire chapter, uh, this entire uh, story is set up right here. It's easy to, uh, to, to breeze through it and say, yeah, Jesus is on the run. Jesus is tired. He sits down by well. He needs some water. There's more, a lot more to it than that. It's, it's where he chose to sit down and why he chose to sit down there and when he chose to sit down there. And I'm going to hit back on this quite a bit as I go through the, this reading. He chose Jacob's well. Why, why would he choose Jacob's well? It's, I, I looked into it. Jacob's well is there in Shechem. And we, we learned a lot about Shechem last week when we went through Hosea with Scott. And uh, you can do, and I talked to Scott about this because I, I kind of geeked out about the fact that Jacob's well is there at Shechem. And Scott said, you know, you can do whole studies on the location of Shechem. And Shechem you know, Shechem is where 
um, um, Joshua said, as for me and mine, we'll follow the Lord. But we learned last week, it was more than that. It was a it was a talking down to the elders and the leaders of Israel saying, you are not following the covenant of God. You are not following through with your commitment to him and God commits himself to you. Me, as Joseph, as Joshua, I, my house is going to follow God and follow this covenant. Christ picks this location, a covenant location to start his ministry, to start saying, I'm here on the earth. I'm here to, to bring the glory of God to, to, to earth. And it's, it's amazing. Um, it's, it's not a, I accidentally went on the way, way to Galilee and stopped in Samaria here. Uh-uh. He had this po- point in mind. He knew this is where he wanted to go, to Jacob's well. And he wanted to stop there at the sixth hour. Why is the sixth hour important? Sixth hour tends to be the heat of the day. So he stops at this well, and there's nobody at this well. Why is there nobody at this well? I learned that typically the women of the town would come out and draw water at the cool of the day, either the beginning of the day or the end of the day. So he stops at the well. He's sitting there by himself at the heat of the day. And we'll read on because he gets a visitor. So we read on. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had already got a town uh, to collect some food. Uh, the, Samarit- as the Samaritan woman said, said to him, How is it that a Jew asks for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? The Jews didn't look, think very much of the Samaritan people. And she knew it. She knew she was viewed as unclean. And so you, I, you can imagine her. She wakes up in her morning. Her normal morning routine is for some reason she likes to get up. We're going to find out why. She likes to get up in the middle, get up, get up in the morning, get her water for, draw her water in the heat of the day. We're going to learn why she wants to, why she goes to the heat of the day in a few moments. But you know, her day's going to start. I'm going to, I'm going to walk out, and get, I'm going to draw my water in the heat of the day, and to see someone s- sitting at the well was already a shock. Okay, there's somebody there as she's approaching this man at the well. And as she gets closer, she realizes, ah, it's a Jewish man, and he's talking to me. Why do you want to talk to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. You know, I'm viewed as unclean. I mean, I don't understand. It says her acceptance, accepting that he wants to communicate with her is, she, she, she can't compute all of this. Now, as we go through this story, we're going to see she gets a lot more than she bargained for when she woke up that morning to go get water at the heat of the day. And I love how she approaches the, the, every one of these encounters and all this whole conversation with Christ. Uh, I, I know I'll say this multiple times because this. I hope if I am presented with a situation like this, that I behave the way she behaves. So let's, let's kind of, let's read on. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, oh, sorry. If, if you knew, sorry, I got to catch up. I apologize for that. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, have, have, uh, and who, is, who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is very deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from uh, for himself and, did, and, and his livestock. So, she comes on this scene. She's talking to uh, a Jewish man, first of all. Doesn't understand why she, he's talking to her. 
Um, and then he's presenting her with living water. Now, we all know the living water that he's referring to isn't actually water, but she doesn't know that. It's the first time she's ever confronted with the offer of living water. And as we go through the story, she embraces it. Um, but it, it's, it's very interesting that it doesn't compute for her. The way she views water is what I draw from the well. It's what we drink from. And he's, she's, she already knows that the Jewish people don't look at the Samaritan people as being very clean. And she's processed the fact that I have to draw this water. And not only do you, are you talking to me, but now you have to drink from what I give you. So I'm an unclean woman, and you're going to drink from my, my vessel, and you're offering me living water. Well, living water sounds great, but I, how is that different than what I'm going to get you from this well? So uh, I'm going to kind of step back, too, because we're about to get some really exciting points of this. So Jesus stops off at the Jacob's well, which is in Shechem, covenant land. He's starting his ministry there at, the, at where covenants are made. A Samaritan woman who already views herself as unclean, is now having a conversation with Jesus, a Jewish man. And he's asking her for water. He's asking her to get him something to, that he will put in his body. So it, it's not really computing for her. She's trying to have a hard time accepting this conversation that's even happening at all. Um, but as we learn, as we kind of go through it, she, she, really gets, uh, she really embraces this conversation uh, and embraces what Jesus is offering to her. Let's kind of keep going here. Where did I leave off here? Okay, I'm sorry. Jesus said to her, For everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will, will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to here to draw water. Again, she doesn't really understand the living water component, but she will, and we're going we're to see that as we go through this. What's, what's exciting about this and, and the, the depth of what John is sharing with us here. You accept the living water of eternal life. You become a spring. You become a vessel now to communicate the glory of God to others. I've had experiences with, with folks where they, you can just tell by talking to them that they're followers of Christ. You can't help, you can't help it. Uh, you are, once you accept that living water, you are a spring and you are sharing that with others. That is what Christ is saying here to her. If you accept this living water, you're going to become a spring. You're going to reach out to others. And as we get through this passage, that is exactly what she does. So it's, it's amazing how, and I know in some of my fill-ins, I'm going to get to this in more detail about examples of people who have become uh, springs of living water to others. But if you do accept Christ in your heart, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you you and you have consumed the living water, you become an outward manifestation of Christ as you go through your, your every day. You may not realize you are, but you are. Um, and Christ is using you in everything you do. People watch you and they learn and they and they and they and they see how you interact with your surroundings and they see this spring of living water. Um, that's that's a kind of a gift uh, that, that Christ gives us by being um, centered on him, by being um, 
by, by accepting the gift of living water. So let's 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 pr proceed. And this is a uh, so this is I'm going to start geeking out a little bit here. So Jesus said to her. Now now we talk about the spring. I'm giving you the living water. Jesus said to her, "Go and go call your husband, and and have him come here." The woman answered to him, "I have no husband." Jesus said to her, "You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five. You've had five husbands." And the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. I'm sorry. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Uh, I, as a kid, I remember reading this story and hearing this story thinking, okay, here's this woman at the well. She's had five husbands. The one she's with isn't her current husband. And Jesus is chastising her. In fact, that's so polar opposite from what's actually happening here. In this interaction, so Christ is talking to this woman who obviously has to come to the well in the heat of the day. Why? Because the, the women in her, of her community don't want to draw water with her. She knows it. She comes at the heat of the day. She doesn't come to the cool of the day at the beginning or the end of the day. She comes at the heat of the day to draw water. That's her normal routine. And she comes across a man sitting at the well who happens to be Jesus Christ. That's a, she doesn't know that at the time. She just knows it's a Jewish man. And he says to her, go be a, be a spring, go get your husband and bring him here. And she says, I have no husband. Right? And now Christ knows her situation. She knows, he knows what brought her to this well. He knows why she's here at the heat of the day. That's just no surprise to him. And rather than like my childish mind rebuking her, he instead, instead says, listen, I know what's brought you here. You've had five husbands. And we don't know how she had the five husbands. Did they die? Did they leave her? We don't learn much about that. In, the, in, that, in that time, in that custom where she lives in Samaria, you know, I, I don't live in Samaria. I, I can research some more of this, but I'm sure people have a lot, had a lot of opinions. But at the end of the day, it's not easy to have had five husbands living with one that's not your husband right now. But she's obviously, she, it's easy for her to have feel, felt shame. Because the first thing when she, when asked, go get your husband, she says, I have no husband. Not that I have had five husbands and not that I'm living with a man. No, I have no husband. She's obviously feels some shame. And Christ immediately says to her, I know you. You've had five husbands. The one you're with isn't your husband, but that doesn't matter. I accept you anyway. You're perfect. And it, as, if we all come, I know we're all flawed. I'm flawed. We come to Christ and knowing full well that he knows all of our flaws and looks past those with open arms and embraces to bring us in if we embrace him. That's what I get out of that little interaction. And it's clear that when, she, when confronted with the five husbands component, with the, the, the current husband, the current one you're with isn't your husband, she doesn't come back with some snarky response. She calls him a prophet, and she embraces that. I gotta, I've, got to, I've got to believe that the way Christ talks to her at that moment is one of acceptance, is one of you are worthy, because I'm, he's here giving her living water. I, I, the, this woman is, to me, has levels of braveness that, like I said when I started off, I hope that confronted with similar situations, I have that little level of braveness. Because if she accepts that, that the Jewish man's talking to her, she, when she goes out to the belt well, where, where no one's usually there, and she, she's now being confronted with her inadequacies with Christ, but done, doing so in a loving way, and she's excited about it, and she turns immediately and calls him a prophet. And from here on, you see, we're going to see the turn in her to where she goes from not only saying you're a prophet, but 
going full full force into becoming a spring of living water. And we conclude with her being a spring of living water. I know I'm jumping ahead in verses because I know where we're going, but it's um, what, an, what an amazing woman this, this woman is. So let's, let's read on. To be a okay. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in, Jeru in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So I'm going to stop here real quick because it kind of goes back to Hosea. Uh, where we learned about you know the, the two kingdoms. You have the kingdom of Israel and you have the kingdom of Judah. And in Hosea, he's chastising the, the, the folks in Israel. And the king of Israel saying, you're worshiping uh, up here at the altars, at the temple that you set up in Israel, but you need to be worshiping in Jerusalem. You need to come down to Jerusalem. You need, you need to sacrifice on the, on the altar uh, in order to, to communicate with God. And that has to be done in Jerusalem. And Christ is immediately saying, no, 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 no. This is, this is not right. This, neither here nor in Jerusalem is where you need to worship. And he's going to get into details of what he means. And, and I, it's, 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 it's amazing how he, he begins to deconstruct the belief system that must follow specific rules in order to be close to God. And he does that with this woman at the well. I, I'm going to jump back and forth with her quite a bit. I, 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 do, I do think she's an amazing woman. Let's keep going here. Um, uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is for the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. God wants a communication with, with his people. And that's evident from the very beginning. So, you know, uh, you, Scott, not, Scott talked about this in the men's group, and I, I really, I, I love this, this uh, component of how God wants to communicate with men. God walks in the garden in the cool of the day and speaks with Adam. Now he walks in the garden in the cool of the day to speak with Adam because, as we know, Adam did some knucklehead behavior and ate of the fruit and he's got to go. But God wants to talk to man. God talks to man. He wants a communication with us. He opens a line of communication with us. And Christ is sitting here at this well, talking to this woman, saying, you think you need to go to Jerusalem and follow these rules to communicate with me with God. I'm telling you, that's not what I want. That's not what the Father wants. The Father wants regular communication. He doesn't want to have, to have you jump through hoops to come talk to him. He wants you to talk to him all the time and in spirit. We have the blessing of, not, of having the knowledge of seeing Christ play this all the way through, and we know where this goes. We know that he's the ultimate sacrifice, and we're told time and time again we can communicate directly with God. And that, uh, that's, that's amazing. Now, in, the, in, her, in her world, in this Samaritan woman's world, she believes, A, she's inadequate, B, she's unclean because she's Samaritan, C, that she can't go to Jerusalem and get this salvation. And here she's sitting there talking to Jesus, and he's saying, yeah, no, it's pretty much all wrong. I'm going to blow it up again. Because as we know, through the Old Testament, 
Israel and Judah fall away from following with the covenant of God, so much so that God says, okay, everybody out of the pool, and takes over um, both countries that the Babylonians come in, as until Cyrus comes on the scene from Persia where we're allowed to have Jerusalem be rebuilt. But once Jerusalem's re rebuilt, it seems like it's rinse and repeat. We're heading down the same path. So much so that now God has got to come onto the scene in, in human form and say, all right, I've got to show you how this is done. You're missing the point. I want, a, I want a relationship with you. And I'm, I'm going to come on the scene, and I'm going to go to Shechem. I'm going to start there and say, it's all about the covenant I made with you. Keep your covenant with me. And I'm going to start by talking to a Samaritan woman and share with her what's really going on here. I'm, tear, I'm tearing down that temple because it makes no sense to be there. It's, it's a barrier to our communication together. So let's read on here. Uh, I always lose my place. I apologize. Uh, Okay. God of Spirit. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In my notes, and Scott joked with me about this, I call this the, the big reveal. So, She's come to this well. She's gotten a lot of lessons all at once. Christ has set the foundation for where his ministry is going to be. It's about a communication with God. It's not about going to the temple and sacrificing doves on the altar. It's I'm here to be the ultimate sacrifice so you can't always have that line of communication with the Father because it's about communication through the Spirit. And he's breaking it all down for this woman at the well. And at the end, she, not somebody in Jerusalem, not a priest, is saying a Messiah is coming. And to this woman at the well in Shechem, Jesus says, I'm him. It's the big reveal. It's the whole, we, but the whole story comes to this point where she realizes at that moment, the man giving her living water, the man saying you're going to become spring if you accept this gift of living water, is indeed the Messiah, the one capable of giving her that living water. And what is her reaction? I mean, so, so I'm going to read on. But I love her reaction. We'll get here at the end. Uh, just then, uh, his disciples came back and marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no, but no one said, what, what, did, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I, have ever, uh, that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. She becomes a vessel of living water almost instantly. So the disciples, the knucklehead disciples come on the scene. They don't really know what's going on, but they know Christ's got some, some, something, something's happening, obviously, because he's, he's always got a plan. And they don't, they're not questioning what he's doing or why he's doing it. But she leaves her possessions, her jar, and follows him immediately. So when she woke up in the morning, she thought this is going to be another day of me drawing water in the heat of the day alone. And, you know, it's okay. This is, the, this is my lot in life. And now she's reached a point in her day, introduced to the Messiah, excited about the gift of living water, and her first reaction, drop her possessions, go grab everyone else, and say, you need to come and see this man. 
You need to have him talk to you. You need to hear what he's telling me. He's telling me that we have the gift of living water. He's telling me that we Samaritans, Gentiles, we can receive the gift of communication with God. There's no barrier to entry for us. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, and it's amazing because here she is, you know, uh, definitely has some shame issues coming in to draw in the water in the heat of the day. Knows that going back to the town, she's still the same person. But Christ has accepted her. She's accepted the living water, and she's not afraid. She's not afraid to walk out and tell everybody, hey, he's here. Come. Come meet, come meet this man. Come hear what he has to say. And she grabs him and brings him out, and they get to, get to receive the gift of living water. Uh, and that's the, this is the spring component I mentioned earlier. Whether you like it or not, when Christ enters you, you're going to become a spring. And she became a spring, and she pulled people in. And, and she, she knew who she was, and she knew what they were thinking of her, but they all came. She became a spring of living water, and they came and heard Christ. And thus his ministry begins at Shechem. He builds a new covenant with man. So I'm, I'm going to get to the get to the fill-ins here real quick. So I got notes. I actually didn't even look at my notes, which is amazing. Okay, so I talk about this being about acceptance. Um, so when Scott and I talked about what, what to cover in this, my one opportunity to get up here um, is to talk about acceptance. I have I have a, I've had a lot of acceptance I've had to deal with in my life. And Christ accepting me for my inadequacies in my life, much like the woman at the well. But, you know, acceptance really is embracing chaos. So look at the woman in the well. She comes out. Her day is going to be normal. It's going to be heat of the day. Draw the water. Go back. Ho-hum. There is a man at the well. There's not normally a man at the well. He's talking to me. She accepts the fact that she's talking, he's talking to her, that he accepts me as an unclean Samaritan woman. And we're going to have this conversation. She's accepting that this is not her normal every day. There's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts here. And she's, she stays in, engaged. She accepts the, the chaotic experience that she's in. And as a result of accepting that, embracing that chaos, she gets a lot out of it. And, you know, as we know at the end, she becomes a spring. She comes in being just the, the woman at the well, and she leaves a spring for, of, of living water going out to bring others in. In terms of accepting chaos, um, for me... Personally, about 18 years ago, I uh, was diagnosed with MS, and something that I wasn't wasn't ready for for that to, to hit to hit me. I didn't know what I didn't know how to accept that. So I spent most of the first 10 years 10, 10 years of me being diagnosed with MS, pretending like I had a bad back, that there was nothing wrong with me. Um, and it wasn't until I started to accept the fact that, yes, this is just part of who I am, and it's okay to have it be part of who, who I am, that I, I, saw, saw, I saw change in my own life. I saw change in the way that I um, move through life. It's been a painful experience, but, you know, I, I have seen that change. And, and, you know, my wife, uh, five years ago, in terms of embracing the chaos, um, she, was, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so we have, we've had a lot of chaos in our house, and it, uh, it has changed us uh, in, in immense ways. And uh, she's, been, she's been brave in, in the way she's been, she's been dealing with it. I, I look at her as my, as my rock in my house, and I need to behave like she does um, and stop being foolish and accept the fact that, yes, I have MS. It doesn't define me. It's not, it's not who I am. It's not how I proceed forward in my life. And it doesn't mean that God isn't embracing me and opening his arms. I had a conversation with my parents um, 
earlier this year, and I said, boy, I wonder what my life would be like if I didn't have that MS. And I remember my mom and my dad said, you'll never know the answer to that question. So then I, I, I say, okay, so I'm the woman at the well. Was I given this um, gift, stumble, whatever, whatever you want to call it in terms of MS, as a way for God to say, I love you. You weren't paying attention to me. I'm going to trip you up in such a way that you have to pay attention to me now. I don't know the answer to that question. I, I'm, I like to be an optimist and say that, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe I'm, I, that, that's allowing me to be a better representative of Christ on earth because I, allow, I get the, the things that I used to value aren't, aren't valuable to me anymore, that I've embraced, that I have a different world, different walk I have to walk down. It's hard to know. Second fillet. Your future defines you more than your track record. Let's look at this woman at the well. She had a, she had a checkered past. We learned about that. The, the five husbands, one she's with, isn't her, isn't her current husband. And as we conclude the story of the woman at the well, John is clearly says that that did not define her. That is not who she is today. As she goes forward, she runs back into the town, grabs people, brings them, brings them out to, to experience the Messiah. That is who she is now. And I, I, I would love to hope that, I hope that she goes on and becomes a warrior for Christ uh, for the rest of her life. I mean, because as we leave this story, we never, we never visit her again. She is being a warrior for Christ. She is being a spring. She's bringing people in with the living water, exposing them to something that, that for her was earth shattering. And we have we have no choice. On the uh, when we have that when we accept Christ in, I had a conversation. Um, you know, I'm gonna hit that the next one. Um, but in terms of, you know, your future defines you, not your track record. I mentioned it a few moments ago uh, that 18 years ago, I got diagnosed with MS, and that's 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 just who I am. And oh, by the way, I, I know I, I put this on my notes. I want to make sure I, I, I cover this real quick. Sometimes people will see me stumble. Um, and want to offer a hand, then I, in my pride and arrogance, refuse it. Um, know that it is my pride and arrogance that is refusing the, the offer of help. But uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate it. Um, but the the MS component of it, and I, and I, as I said about my parents and saying maybe uh, I'll never know what my life is like w w without it. And and I look back, maybe this is part of who I am. I was. I was, my mind keeps going back to the, the poem, The Footsteps, and the quite, quite frankly, the end of the poem, The Footsteps. I'm going to read it now. It's not, not, a, not, not up here. Uh, it's one, it, it means a lot to me personally uh, in terms of that God, like the woman at the well, sees me for who I am and is there for me all the time in all of my, in all of my flaws, whether it be physical or spiritual or emotional. <laughs> so... Uh, this is an excerpt from the end of the, of the, 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 the poem, uh, Footsteps. Lord, you, um, you said once, I decided, if you, Lord, you said once, I decided, once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, you, there were only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would have, you would leave me. He whispered to me, my precious child, I love you and will never, ever leave you. Never, ever, ever. During that, those trials and testings 
when you only saw one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. And I know that's true. I know that when I got my trial, my physical trial, my diagnosis, I spent many hours yelling at God and said, this is not okay. Why? Uh, it's also pointless to yell at God. Um, and I know that in my continual growth as in my relationship with Christ, it's clear. He didn't leave me. He was always there. I just needed to be quiet and be in the moment, know that Christ was carrying me. And I couldn't have made it through without him, that's for sure. And my last fill-in here is you must center your identity on Christ. And acceptance is centering your identity on Christ. So, you know, how does God, 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 the woman at the well, she centers her identity on Christ. And we see her, she becomes a powerful warrior for the spring of living water and bringing people to Christ. For all of us, by centering our identity on Christ, we will become springs of living water. And an example was presented to me just in terms of whether you want to be a spring or not be a spring. Um, I was at a, a dinner recently, and a man said to me, uh, he's telling me a story about when he, you know, he wasn't a Christian, and he accepted Christ into his heart. And he said he didn't tell anybody that he accepted Christ into his heart. His uncle pulled him aside one day and said, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, I can tell. So whether you know it or not, if you are, if you are a Christ-centered person and you have accepted the living water, you have become a spring. And for my journey accepting Christ and his changes in my life, I've gone from being a man who, who, knew what, who, knew what, who, knew, who knows what I was up to before the MS, but now I sit in front of you talking about the woman at the well. I'm the lead elder at Rock Bible Church. If you had told that man 18 years ago, 19 years ago, you're going to be an elder at a church, I'm not sure what his reaction would have been, um, quite frankly. I don't think he would have believed you. Uh, but it is through the journey of acceptance of what Christ is doing in my life, uh, the acceptance of how Christ can use me, that I have learned that I'm Christ-centered and he, he will use me and he has, he has a place for me and, and he does accept me. So, and with that, I've concluded my fill-ins. So um, I want to thank you. Let's, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful message of the woman at the well. Thank you so much for this example for us to follow of faith and belief in you. Uh, having come to this earth to tear down the barriers, to give us a, the ability to communicate with you in spirit and in living and, and accepting that living water, Lord. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for uh, allowing your lead elder to, uh, to talk to you today. Um, and I want to pray that as you go out this, this week, may you experience the acceptance of Christ in your life. Thank you.